Welcome to the Village Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Glenn. In this series of episodes, we'll deep dive into two key categories, nature connection and creating a healthy sense of community. As a listener, you will be brought to that place where nature and community come together. You've probably heard the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. But what does it take to raise a village? Or better yet, what does it take to raise a nature-connected village? That's been one of my driving questions for the past two decades, and I'm excited to share this journey with you. If you're interested in people connection, nature connection, I have a Patreon called Nature Connection Village. I'm also a connection coach where I help individuals and couples through challenging and difficult moments in their lives. All of this can be found on my link tree, which is nature.village, that you can also find in the about section of the podcast link that you use to get to here. Hello and welcome to episode two, best practices in village creating. You've made it to my second episode. And if you didn't listen to my first episode, it's called Where's My Village? Today I'm exploring one of my burning questions, which is what are the core routines or best practices when it comes to village creating, which I also refer to as people connection. So there's this thing called nature connection, and there's this thing called people connection. Now, I teach wilderness survival skills and nature connection and tracking skills to children and adults throughout the year. I run a forest school or wilderness school in Indiana, and I've done so for over 20 years. And so often when I'm teaching about shelter building and building fires and finding food, I like to remind people that survival is more than just shelter, fire, water, food. It's also about relational skills because unless we're out there by ourselves, you know, we could go out by ourselves. I prefer to be with other people because we are social beings and uh, loneliness is, is real. And some people really thrive by themselves, but a lot of us don't. So if we're going to be with other people, and this may be in survival or just in our everyday lives, we should have the skills to get along because if we're not if we're out in a survival situation, for example, whether we put ourselves in it or found ourselves in it, um, we're not going to do that well if we're battling each other and arguing about stuff. Because it's hard enough just building a shelter, finding food, finding water, and then if you're just butting heads with the people you're with, that's just another element that you have to deal with. So we see this a lot in TV shows such as Naked and Afraid, you watch two strangers go out there together naked into the wilderness, and if they are butting heads with, with each other, which often happens, they start arguing, they can't get along, they're two different personalities, they haven't learned relational skills, and they're, a lot of times these two will have a much harder time than, say, two people who are out there and they can start communicating well and getting along well. That's more rare to see, but it's a reality of survival. So it is a survival skill to have these community, these village skills. It's what kept our ancestors alive for thousands of years. It wasn't just the knowledge of you can eat this plant and you shouldn't eat that plant. 
that'll kill you, that'll hurt you. Um, it's also the knowledge of how to relate to each other, how to relate to the land. Who are we? Who are we individually and collectively? And where are we in this place of t- in time together? And how can we um, create a village together? So for many years, there's been this teaching of the core routines of nature connection. And you can read about this and there's books about it. Lots of people have taught about it and talk about it. Many nature schools around the U.S. and probably across the world teach these core routines of nature connection. So if you're not familiar, they're really wonderful at helping us get into nature and really feel at home. We belong there. Because a lot of times when we haven't spent a lot of time in nature, a lot of people talk about how, gosh, I feel like I don't belong. Like if I go out there, I'm just messing things up. Well, the core routines can really help with that, can really help ground us into the natural world and feel like we're a part of things. So the core routines presents these wonderful activities that you can take into nature or back when you return from nature that will help you learn about it and connect deeper. For example, there's one that's the sit spot. So finding, going out in your backyard or the forest and finding a spot to sit leaning up against a tree or sitting on the edge of a stream and then visiting that regularly, maybe every day for 20 minutes or two times a week for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And over time, you get to know that place through the seasons, the different weather conditions, and you get to see birds making their nests and have close encounters with skunks and raccoons and deer and whatever's passing through there. And it's a really cool thing because you get to know the animals and they get to know you and they start feeling more comfortable having you around and then you get to see more. Along with that, some of the other activities are sensory awareness, so using all of our senses and really listening deeply to the forest around us, to the quietest sounds. Um, There's journaling, writing down about your experiences and the weather patterns doing research when you come back, looking up your natural mysteries. There's fox walking, which is this wonderful way of bringing awareness into our body so that as we move, we're more conscious of it. We're slowing down. We're feeling the ground, the earth underneath our feet. Another one is a gratitude practice. So while we're sitting out there, when we're out in nature and we're using our senses to turn all of that information into a feeling of gratitude. What are you thankful for while you're out there and calling our attention to the things around us that we're grateful for, that we appreciate? So those are the core routines. And if there are core routines of nature connection, then what would the core routines of people connection look like? And to help answer that question, I want you to just think back to times in your life when you felt the most connected with the people around you? Who was it with? Who was around you? What was happening? What did it feel like? What kinds of rituals or processes of connection were in place? And were those rituals conscious or unconscious? So go back in in your mind when you get a chance and really dig into that. And I'm asking these questions Because if we can go there, 
into our own past experiences, we may find some of our answers when it comes to village creating. Now, I compiled a list of people connection practices, core routines, that I want to share with you all. And number one is welcoming and leaning in to connection. So oftentimes we might get feelings of social anxiety, nerves, butterflies, and this principle, this practice is noticing all of that, feeling all of that, and yet saying yes to connection. So leaning into that connection and giving connection a chance each time. And part of this is recognizing how we welcome people into our homes, into our circles. Uh, what kind of greeting customs do we have? This might look like offering food or tea or showing them around the house or sitting in a particular room. You know, how do you welcome people into your home? Is there anything in particular that you do or, or say? And if not, uh, looking into that. What can you do? What kinds of greeting customs can you create that can help people feel welcome and help them in this process of leaning into connection? And number two is rituals of acceptance. So once we've gone through our welcoming and greeting, um, this is sitting down and, and going a little deeper with people. Maybe this is a gratitude circle, sharing, hey, what are you really feeling grateful for today or right now? Or what are you appreciating or what's showing up in your life that's working really well for you? Uh, this could also be songs. If it's a musical community or musical group, um, songs can be a great way to kind of go in a little deeper, be kind of vulnerable through singing. It can also be storytelling, uh, asking questions, just how are your travels? What brought you here today? You know, not going super deep, but giving people a chance to tell some stories a little bit and, and in turn really listening to each other and hearing each other. Number three is adventures and challenges together. So maybe you've noticed that when you're with a group of people and you're facing an outside challenge, um, it can really create unity. So you can consciously do this. Um, doing a difficult hike, building a fire pit as a gathering space together, and all the things that go into that. If you're really into nature, then survival challenges I've seen uh, used before that really brings people together. Land stewardship projects or pitching in to help another person. You know, when someone does ask for help in the community, it gives everyone a chance to respond and engage and unify. So you're asking for help can really be a gift to the community. We don't always think of it that way, but think of how willing you are to help out a friend, help out another person who really needs it. Well, you're not the only one who feels that, but we can only do that if we allow each other in, if we ask for help. Doing these kinds of adventures or challenges together or something with purpose like that can create this sense of unity and create a deeper connection with the people around us. Also, again, as a nature school uh, leader here, I work with kids all the time and we'll separate them into small groups and maybe give them a, a time limit, have them perform some kind of challenge. They have to 
get a fire going or build some sort of shelter area together. And so we're creating that challenge and it creates a sense of unity. And sometimes we have them with people that they don't know very well so that they get to know new people and different people. And it's really neat to see different kids take leadership within that. And what we've seen is it really allows kids to come out of their shell and make new friends. And because we do so much of this, we see such strong friendships and bonds formed through this process. And it's a really wonderful thing to witness. And a lot of those friendships last their whole lives. So this is something that you can consciously create. Number four is rituals for deeper sharing. So this is a little beyond the second one. And this is about creating a safe space for deep and authentic sharing. You can create the space in different ways. If someone is feeling emotional, they're starting to shed some tears. You know, often in our society, we want to say something. We often want to comfort them in some way. And we often go to saying something like, you're okay, or it's okay, while their body is telling them it's not okay. So that can feel contradictory, and it can actually have a reverse or negative effect on the person where they're just like, oh, they don't get me at all because they're telling me I'm okay and I don't feel okay. So try this next time instead of saying you're okay, try saying your feelings make sense or your feelings are welcome here. And I have seen people shift so much, like just like, <sighs> like exhale and just lean into whatever they're feeling once that is spoken in that way, and it suddenly feels like a space where they they are safe to be in their emotions and express whatever they need to express. So here we want to create a space for that deeper level, and then people might feel safe to share their troubles, concerns, fears, doubts, all those deep inner feelings. We all have this need and desire to be held, to be heard, to be seen. And in turn, we also, this is where we practice our deep listening skills, empathy, and where we have to check our listening filters so that we can really listen purely to what the person's communicating to us. And number five, uh, this comes from Dr. Sue Johnson. Are you accessible, responsive, and engaged. So the acronym is R, A-R-E. She, she's done a lot of research on attachment needs, and attachment needs are something that is worth looking into if you're interested in community building, village building. I'm assuming that you are if you're listening to this podcast. So what she says is that we need to be accessible, we need to be responsive, we need to be engaged, right? So accessible meaning can I reach you? Are you available? Do you return my phone calls? <laughs> Do you return my emails or text messages? Now, it's not to say that it has to be immediate and right away, right? We can have boundaries around that. But we live in a culture of ghosting. Ghosting meaning we just stop conversing with somebody and ignore it. And that can be really harmful, especially for community building. Ghosting is disconnecting behavior. Um, the next one is, are you responsive? 
Are you tuning into my emotions and responding reliably? Are you really hearing me, what's, what I'm saying, what I'm communicating? And third, are you engaged, which means are you interested and present with me? These three help with the attachment needs of each individual. And we can help provide that for each other. Recognize that we all are human and we need these things. So just as we often go into nature to our sit spot in order to connect with nature, when we want people connection, it can also help if we have that kind of consistency and engagement that we might have when we enter the natural world, right? So we want that kind of some those kinds of practices for moving towards each other, towards other human beings. Now, this is by no means a complete list here. So what kinds of things would you add to this list? And I'd love to hear from you if you want to write to me about any of this. Um, I'd be really interested to hear what other uh, items people would add here. And before you go, I just want to share a poem by a man named Tad Hargrave. And I hear that he's a part of a nature connection community, I, I believe, because some friends of mine know him. I've never met him. Maybe you know him. Maybe you are him listening to this. That would be cool. Well, here's this poem on community. Here we go. How do you create community? I do not know. A hundred ways, a thousand ways. But how do you kill community? I can tell you one sure to do the job. Be self-sufficient. Always have enough. Always have it together. Always be a giver. Always have all the tools you need. Never need to borrow a sewing needle. Never need a cup of sugar. Never tell anyone you're breaking down. Never need anyone. Your pride, your insistence on competency, your unwillingness to be a burden on us when it is the proper time for you to collapse may be the end of us all, knowing what time it truly is or knowing how to know the time at all. You, needing our help, being unable to continue without it. You, not knowing how to do everything, creates the occasion for the village to reconstitute itself and know itself again. <laughs>